For the third year and counting, Richard Skipper has been celebrating the artists you love. Richard Skipper is all about celebrating life, art, and his guest body of work. Please join us while he showcases these diverse and talented individuals. Here's Richard Skipper. Happy Tuesday, everyone. Who or what are you celebrating today? Welcome to my very special pop-up show today. Uh, this show came together in the last 24 hours. I have five incredible people waiting in the wings, people that I admire, people that I love, people that are worth celebrating. The holidays are upon us. It's 12 shopping days till Christmas. I have my hot cocoa today because it is National Hot Cocoa Day. And in addition to celebrating with parties and gift giving, uh, it's also the season of holiday shows. When I was growing up, I grew up as a product of 1960s and 70s television. And therefore, I grew up watching some of the greatest television specials of all time. There was nothing like it. But those of us who are lucky enough to live, I would say, in New York and L.A., and lucky enough to have friends in the business, we get the chance to go and see these live holiday specials uh, right before our very eyes. This past Saturday night, I had the great pleasure of sharing the stage with some amazing talent as I put together my own Richard Skipper Celebrates Christmas Memories. So today I'm going to celebrate a few people who have shows coming up and movies and even a great blog that I want to talk about today as well because it's someone's very special birthday. If you read the promo, uh, there are a couple of birthdays uh, going on today. It's also Dick Van Dyke's birthday. That's always worth celebrating. But I'm going to start, uh, I asked uh, Lisa Rodrigo, who was watching in the wings, uh, to pick a number, uh, one through five. She picked a number, and uh, there's a very special holiday show coming up uh, on Saturday night that I'm actually going to be in the audience to see. Uh, so I'm sure that this person knows who I'm bringing on. But first, let's get a little taste of Jar Steer. Hi, Doris Deer here in the Rumpus Room getting ready for the holidays. I can't wait to do my new Christmas show, the Doris Deer Christmas Special, Christmas Through the Decades, live at the Triad Theater in New York City on December 16th and 17th. Go to DorisDeer.com for more information and tickets. And happy holidays from Doris Deer. And the man behind Doris Deer is the one and only Ray DeForest. Welcome back, Ray. Hi. I, I got a haircut. <laughs> well, well, I did too, believe it or not. But uh, I'll do that. Every little messy here. I've got hair, uh, had hair. Uh, but uh, welcome anyway to the show. Um, Hi. And this Saturday night is your big night. Oh, my God. Friday and Saturday, we have two packed houses. But, you know... I, it's, I just want my audience to have fun. But as you know, producing these kind of shows in the world we live in, someone yesterday had to drop out because of illness. I had, in the past 24 hours, had to find another fabulous opera singer um, that, you know, uh, we found Emily Kate uh, Gent Gent Gentile. Emily uh, Gentile. Yes. 
Gentilly, yes. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah it's fabulous. She's stepping up. I mean, it's just amazing when artists, I'm always thrilled that artists want to participate in my shows. And I have such amazing artists from Broadway and opera and cabaret this year. And it's just an honor. And I love these shows. I love the holidays because as you know, Richard, we've done shows together. It's all about my family and uh, saluting and honoring the people that made me who I am. Um, who gave me my heart and soul and none of my family is alive anymore. So it's a, it's a big responsibility on my shoulders to not only produce the shows, write it and hire everyone in first, but also because it's about my family. And I feel like I have this responsibility to honor them and present them in a way that they would be proud. Well, I can't wait. I'm looking forward to being there, but the same thing happened uh, on Saturday. Uh, one of the artists that was scheduled to do the show uh, the night before she had a show and she was doing her own show the day after my show. And she felt that she had blown her voice out the night before our show. Uh, Richard, I, um, you're frozen on my end and I'm not hearing you. So there's no business like show business, like no business I know. Do, 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 do. <laughs> We're celebrating an old fashioned Christmas. I guess I'll keep going until I see Richard come back alive. Uh, how I love that old fashioned Christmas. Memories that last through the years. We're doing an old-fashioned Christmas with Doris Dear Christmas. We're saluting Christmas through the decades, starting at the 1900s, all the way to the present. I've got eight guests and lots of surprises. So uh, are we still on? I don't know. So I'll just keep chatting until someone comes on and tells me to be quiet. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Richard Skipper is uh, clearing his throat and... Um, getting his uh, technical stuff back. Um, so you can find me on dorisdeer.com. There's information and tickets. There's a couple of tickets left, but it's a really full house for two nights. Uh, uh, are you hearing me? I don't know. It doesn't matter. I'll just keep talking. I'm never at a loss for words. So the uh, Christmas is a very special time for me. Uh, my parents, Taffy and Duke, and my sister, Nancy, we celebrated every year. It was very magical. And uh, I guess I could tell a story if people are listening. Um, so my dad, who was such a man's man, and he was such a great guy, and he loved decorating outside. But when it came to Christmas Eve, he would, he had this Christmas candle from when he was a kid. And he would put on a red uh night shirt and a cap just like out of night before uh the uh, night before christmas and this candle light and we would he would make a stand in front of the tree which was in the which was in the big picture window they used to call it of our house in staten island on beach road and he would make us sing christmas carols <laughs> so the four of us would stand there singing christmas carols while he held this christmas candle in his red shirt and he loved it it was but I think about that now and it just cracked me up. I, I, I guess I never thought about it, but I wonder what people outside who were standing at the windows wondered. Like, what's going on in the DeForest household? <laughs> so funny. Mom loved Christmas, too. She was quite the decorator, always making new. She loved holly. She used to make real holly wreaths. She had to wear, like, stainless steel gloves to 
tie the holly onto the onto the wreath forms and everything. And God forbid you ran into that holly. It was like running into a set of knives or something. Um, and um, I'm just, are, are, are people still out there? Are you watching? I'm, I don't know if people can see me. I don't know. Uh, what else? Um, let's see, what can else, what else can I tell you about the holidays? Um, of course, uh, mom's magazine, uh, the go-to magazine in our house was the, what I call the Bible of the American housewife, which was Better Homes and Gardens and their Christmas issues were great. In fact, they were always ahead of the curve in 1964, the, their, their Christmas cover uh, said, uh, create holiday splendor and the gayest of parties. And I must say that the, that the Doris Deer Christmas special is one of the gayest parties in New York City, darling. Um, <laughs> and we are having, we will have some fun. So get the tickets, go to www.dorisdeer.com. Um, uh, and uh, can you, <laughs> I'm just keep on talking. <laughs> Um, okay, so I was just told I am on by myself. So what else would we like to know? Let's see. Uh, the Christmas, I live in New York City, um, and it is spectacular at Christmas. And it's such a marvelous, wonderful time. And uh, we have the Rockefeller Christmas tree, which is crazy to even get near because so many tourists are here, right? Um, it's nice to see after COVID all the tourists here. But as a New Yorker, we tend to not go to these things. But a great time to go is actually New Year's Eve. My partner and I go to the Waverly Inn on Christmas Eve and celebrate a beautiful Christmas dinner. I love the Waverly Inn. Uh, it's a wonderful restaurant here in New York City that was started by, I believe, the editor-in-chief of Vanity Fair owns the restaurant. I think he still owns it. Um, and we, we always celebrate their Christmas Eve. And then sometimes we go up to the Christmas tree at Rockefeller Center afterward because that night there's very few people there and it's a great time to take beautiful pictures and walk by the wonderful windows at Saks and um, uh, Bergdorf and uh, and Tiffany and, and New York City is such a magical wonderful place at uh, Christmas and if you've never been here I I urge you to try it at least once. And no, the crime rate isn't ridiculous here. It's actually lower than it's been in 21 years. Um, but the press makes it seem like it's terrible. It's very safe and it's a very wonderful place. And if you've never been to the Radio City Music Hall, which uh, was started in the 1930s, their first Christmas spectacular, it is spectacular. I have several friends in it, both musicians and dancers and singers. And it is a wonderful, wonderful show. Um, with some costumes by the great Greg Barnes, uh, who, who designed, I know for sure he designed the reindeer costumes that the uh, Rockettes wear in one of their big numbers. And of course you get the living uh, nativity and you get the dueling organs and the orchestra that comes out of the ceiling and then go, moves and then goes down below. It's so spectacular and so wonderful. And they now have drones that go out in the audience that have to be seen to be believed it's really spectacular stuff um so that's one of the the great things to do but then at every corner there's we have a lot of pop-ups this year 
lots of pop-ups with Christmas, Christmas bars, Christmas uh, walk-through experiences, as they like to call them. Um, it's really great. And of course, there's Broadway, and Broadway has been suffering for years since COVID. It's still trying to find its feet. And I would encourage anyone who comes to New York City to please, please go and see theater. And Broadway is not the only theater in New York. We have off-Broadway theaters like this one here. The Doris Dear Christmas Special is at the Triad Theater, which is up on 72nd Street. It's part of the Off-Broadway Alliance, so it is an off-Broadway theater. There's lots of off-Broadway theaters and off-Broadway -off theaters that have amazing talent and amazing productions. So not everything needs to be a $24 million production. Support theater so go and if you want to go to Broadway, go to Broadway. Broadway has some marvelous shows. La, uh, last night, the opening of Some Like It Hot, which is an old-fashioned yet modern take uh, based on the movie. It is spectacular. It is so fun to sit in a theater audience and just thoroughly be entertained, not have to think about anything. It's so great. And oh, hi, Richard. Have you been talking all this time? The entire time. Uh, we had a power outage here. I think somebody shot the grid or something. Hello, Eileen. I've got you on camera. Hi. I've been giving a... Ringing in the wings, our power went completely out. Okay. Well, I've been talking about New York City and having and touring New York City and what to see at Christmas. Well, thank you for saving the date. Uh, and thank you, Eileen, uh, for being here. I'll bring on our thank next you. guest. I, I just want to say that Ray just did a yeoman-like heroic job of keeping us all engaged and talking about Radio City and Broadway and the tree and brought and off Broadway. He just kept going and was wonderful. So Ray, congratulations to you. I think if you're a drinking man, I think you deserve a scotch. I think so too. I, I can't wait to go in and look at it later because all of a sudden everything went out. The oh electricity went out, the phone went out. I hope no one shot a grid here. Uh, yeah. it, it was just like all of a sudden, Everyone was gone. Um, Ray, thank you for holding this up and for doing this. And I uh, meet Eileen Graff. Hi, uh, Eileen. Welcome to the show. <laughs> I know, Eileen, that you have a Christmas show coming up yourself on the 28th yes. uh, at 54 Below. Yes. I had tickets to see your show last year. And, uh, and then a, a little thing called COVID uh, took over and the show didn't happen. Yeah. But you're coming back. Yeah, we're coming back. We're excited. Last year, we we did our uh, rehearsal. We did our tech. We did our band. We were getting ready to go do the show. And they said someone on staff had come down with COVID. And that was before we had a lot of plan Bs and plan Cs. So uh, we didn't get to do the show. But this year, we are doing it. And we're very excited to be back in New York to do the show. It's a lot of fun. And I hope everybody comes. That happened to us last year. I had three nights almost sold out at the triad of this year's show. We were supposed to do it two days before. I got very, me, my husband and I both severe, severe COVID. And we had to cancel two days before. It was heartbreaking. Oh, man. Well, and financially, I'm so ouch. <laughs> I'm so happy you get to do it this year. I know how yeah. much work goes into it. Not only putting on a show, creating the show, but getting the word out about a show. Yeah. And um, and I'm I'm thrilled for you that you're going to be able to do your show. That's very exciting. Yeah. 
it's so exciting that these shows are coming back. I do want to share with everyone, not to put a pall on anything, uh, but uh, COVID is on the rise again here in New York. Yeah. So everyone, uh, I got boosted. I went and got boosted just before my own concert, just to make sure that I was fine. And I hope that everybody will do the same thing before you go to see a show or anything, that you'll make sure that you are up to date on your vaccines and everything, because we don't want this to get any worse than it already is. And that's my public service announcement on that today. <laughs> but I mentioned Eileen earlier that I grew up watching 1960s and 70s television. And uh, you, I mean, was there a particular Christmas special or Christmas show that you look forward to seeing every year? Andy Williams. Oh. Andy Williams. I mean, the, the Williams family Christmas shows, I think, were the best the first of all the singing was sublime i'm a singer so that's the first thing i go for is what are they singing the when he would bring the family on and we we became very close friends with dick williams who was uh the late dick williams who was one of andy's brothers and sang you know with the four brothers and the singing, the harmonies were so glorious and there was always something fun to watch, whether it was the Osmond brothers skating or Andy standing in front of one of those amazing stained glass windows and singing the, the heartfelt spiritual song of the season. I, and the wardrobe was always so great, you know, clean and sharp and casual all at the same time. Um, so I was a big Andy Williams uh, Christmas show fan. Great shows. Yeah. And some of those shows, uh, you know, Julie Budd is a dear friend of mine, and she appeared on one of the Christmas specials, and they filmed it in July. So yeah. <laughs> at uh, uh, there was a studio in Brooklyn where a lot of these Christmas specials were filmed. So she talked about, you know, everyone was there, and there were these big coats and everything in July, <laughs> pretending like it's December and everything. Yeah. But it's Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. Oh, you're back. Oh no, you're back. You froze for a minute. <laughs> uh, but, but usually, when I am doing, uh, I don't know what, there's something in the air today, uh, but I uh, do uh, a mystery question. And so, Ray, since you are our first guest on the show, uh, pick a number one through five. Five. And your question is if you could meet any historical figure, who would you choose and why? I'm going to rephrase that. Um, if you could have any historical figure from the world of show business appear as a guest on the Doris Deer special, who would that person be and why? I mean, there's just so many, but I'm currently working on something. So I have to say Ethel Merman. Because I'm, I'm like kind of digging into her right now. And I'm so fascinated with her. You know, I grew up, I'm 64, so I watched that girl and she was on that girl. And she was also on one of the Lucy sitcoms exactly. where Lucy doesn't know who she is. <laughs> and she well, does it, and she like mimics her and she then she sings. And there's something about her whole persona. She's a broad, she sang to the back wall. And I would just love to talk to her about what I find interesting, because Richard, you and I both do interview shows, is when you speak to women who were working during those times, what it was like to deal with as a woman. Because I always find uh, most women who were working that time and successful have 
a, a very tough exterior because they had to. I mean, I work on the sexual harassment committee for my, for SAG-AFTRA, so I know the stories. But I mean, it, I'm always fascinated how they, how much they were up against and became successful and then had to continually fight for that success. I'm fascinated by that. Well, I'm going to share an Ethel Merman Christmas story with both you and Eileen and everyone else waiting in the wings, uh, and I'll try to make this as quick as possible. I had the good fortune of interviewing Georgia Engel a few years ago on my Hello, Dolly! project. Georgia Engel was Minnie Fay to her Dolly, and her family, Georgia's family, was her father was in the military, so they lived on Governor's Island, and her mother said, why don't you invite Miss Merman for Christmas? And she says, Mom, she's a big star. She's not going to want to go to Governor's Island for Christmas or anything. She says, well, if you don't ask her, you're never going to know. So one day as she walks into the theater, she passes Ethel Merman's dressing room. The door is open. And Ethel Merman says, come on, kid, let's talk. And she said she got the nerve to say, my mom would like you to come for Christmas dinner. And she said, I would love to be there because no one ever invites me for Christmas night because they think I'm Jewish because her original last name was Zimmerman. Right. So she said, I would love to be there. So she goes to Governor's Island to spend Christmas with Georgia Ingle and her family. And uh, the grandmother, she said, Nana had a few drinks. And Nana says, okay, Miss Merman, when are you going to sing for us? And Ethel said, I only sing when I'm getting paid. I'm here to have a good time tonight. Let's just have a good time. So they finished dinner. And Ethel Merman says, you know what the problem is? There's no singing in this house. And she said, let's do some Christmas songs. So Ethel Merman is standing at the piano singing. And all of a sudden, all the neighbors start hearing this voice. So all the neighbors start coming, running over. And Georgia Ingalls said that that was one of the best Christmases that she ever had. Uh So for those of you out there who think that someone else already has plans for the holidays, reach out. You never know. Uh, Eileen, who would be the person that you would pick for your television special? Well, my all-time, my I love Barbara. What can I say? I'm I'm even older than you guys, so I went to the original Funny Girl on Broadway, and my parents said when I came out, I looked like I was in shock because I had we knew who she was. My dad was a studio singer, and he had worked with her on the Pins and Needles album. I don't know if you know the, the, the Barbara people know about the Pins and Needles album. And he was um, one of the backup singers on that. And he came home, he said, I just worked with a girl, oh my God. So she's been in my, in, I mean, I've never met her, but she's been in my life. And the op- I would love the opportunity to have an up close personal moment where I could see what the hell it is that she does that's so magical that to this day, 60 years later, I'm still um, enthralled. So I, I, would, I would like to have Barbara on my special. Okay, Barbara, if you're watching, you heard it right here. So Eileen, pick a number one through four. Uh, three. And the number is... Um, what part uh, parts of yourself are you too afraid to express and share? And that's a very interesting question for someone who is very much in the spotlight. I, I think a lot of performers um, are basically very shy and yet still good with people, if that makes any sense. Um, I, 
I'm very private and I don't tell people, I don't tell many people what's really going on inside of me. Number one, I don't think they're interested. And number two, I don't want to burden anybody. Everybody's got enough of their own stuff going on that they don't need to hear my Michigas. So um, I, I think that I, I keep a lot of stuff, you know, in the box and I have a nice husband and he hears it. And, and, and to me, that's enough. Well, good for you. And bring on our next guest. Uh, door number one, door number two, or door number three? Me? Yes. Number one. And that is uh, someone that I am meeting today for the first time. She has a new television uh, a, a television movie uh, that's streaming on various platforms called My Perfect Wedding. I love the little subtitle. One of these guys is her forever. But which one? We're going to find out right now. Maybe we will. Maybe we won't. Erica Hubbard is here. <laughs> Thanks for being so patient. So, no first of all, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hi. Hi, everyone. Hi. I am so glad that you're here. And thanks for your patience. I don't know what happened with our power going out. Uh, that happens sometimes, but it happened today. You've got so many projects going on right now, Erica. And I know that you told us before we went that this particular special was filmed in New Orleans. Yes. Uh, so when yes. you are on location shooting mm -hmm. something like this, uh, I know that you also mentioned that you're a huge seafood fan. Oh, and New Orleans, yes. from what I understand, is the place to be for that. Yes. Um, when you're working on a project like this, how long were you there, first of all? And do you really get a chance to enjoy uh what that uh town or that location has to offer for you oh my gosh i first of all i love new orleans my family is from new orleans part of my family so i felt like i was at home when i landed i was like yes and um i, I got to enjoy it we really did because we were working with a great production and they were on top of scheduling and scheduling is like important. You know, if you fall a day behind your film production, you're like, ah, but we weren't. We actually made our days. So we wrapped early, like a lot of days. And I was eating, eating every day, the seafood, the oysters, the clams, the, the, the mussels, the, the shrimp, the lobster, the crab. Okay, let me stop. But yes, <laughs> I, love, <laughs> I love it. Oh, and, oh, and let me say this. Another great place to eat a lot of good fish is Hawaii. I went to Hawaii and oh, okay. That was, that was the noise like every day. I was like, oh, because I, I love seafood. I just love it. But yeah, I got a, I got a chance to um, enjoy it and then film a great movie, a great feel-good movie. It doesn't make you sad. It makes you feel good. So it's a great time to watch it right now during the holidays. So my perfect wedding was just um, how do we look for love? How do we know we found love? And what is love? So I love it. How did this project come about for you? Um, I begged and begged and begged the producers. <laughs> I know the producers. And um, I said, I want to produce on it. So they were like, oh, wow, an actress, producer. And I was like, yeah, I just, I just joined the PGA. So it's real. Like, I'm a real producer. And they were like, oh. So I was just like, let me help this come to life. And uh, I read the script and ended up um, working opposite of some major talent to me because um, they're all over our, our screen, you know, um, Omar Gooding um, and, and the director, 
uh, Gregory Allen Williams. Uh, I was just I was just uh, taken back by their work. They are. <clears throat> let me move this to this side. And I get in frame. <clears throat> Got to find my frame. <laughs> um, they are. I know. <laughs> it's like, where's the frame? Find, find the light. Um, they are so talented. They are so talented. So it was great. It was a great atmosphere, great script, um, great weather, <laughs> you know, and um, we made a love story come to life. Well, I just want to say that you can pass along any of the ones that didn't make the final cut. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, as a, did it unfold the way that you had envisioned that it would unfold? You know what? It unfolded even more magical than what I thought it would unfold. Um, when you're doing these productions, you never know, you know, how the audience is going to receive it. So you're just like, come on, good vibes, good vibes. And then uh, when I got the people to go on social media and to tell me, you know, reviews and to tell me what their thoughts were, they loved it. And it was needed. I mean, how often do we see a lot of people get married on TV? They were like, please, more love stories and people getting married on TV because, you know, we have enough stress in the world. We need to see a, a, something that's going to, you know, end happy, real, really, really happy in a bride. What way to end the story, but then seeing a bride in the film. So. so we have to watch to find out which one you actually end up with. Yes. And, and to me, that was a hard choice because I was like, <laughs> hmm, hmm, he's good. He's good. Like literally like the character. I was <laughs> like, this is he brings this to the table. This person brings this to the table. But I mean, you can't have them all. You know, that's such as life. You can't have them all. So. <laughs> So well, if you live um, in, a, in certain states, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, certain, um, certain I need sex. to move. I need to move. Let me know what states those are. But um, so, I, I want to ask you uh, same two questions that I asked. Number one, uh, let's start with, uh, are there aspects of your life that you keep hidden? And I mean, we live in a society now where everybody wants to share every aspect of who they are on social media. It, it, how do you separate the two? And how do you keep those areas that you want to keep hidden, hidden from the public view? <clears throat> Ooh, good question. Good question. So, okay. So, I mean, I have a couple of secrets that I keep hidden um, from the press. And I feel like um, my family, which is so important to me, they're not in the press. But you know what? I respect people who put broadcast their family. Um, I respect, you know, they want to showcase their family. I don't personally, as a mom, mm -hmm. I don't, you know. But when people find out that I am a mom, they're like, <gasps> we haven't read that. We didn't know. We didn't know that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you're a mom. And then they're like, <gasps> and I'm just like, yeah, because I keep it quiet and private. But not anymore. It was expensive. <laughs> So much well, as, as, as a mom myself, um, I'm my daughter is also uh, a performer, incredible, and, I, and she's just wonderful. And she's going to be one of my guests, in fact, on the holiday show. Her name is Nika Graf Lanzaroni, and she's been in Broadway shows and off Broadway shows, and wow. she's been on cast. I mean, she's she's the real deal. And I find myself, as much as I protected her when she was little, which I did, now I'm. In in my old age, I've become stage mom, <laughs> and all all the things I didn't do. So watch out, Erica. All the <laughs> get so out there. Now, to the point where it, it's like enough already, mom. They know what I'm doing. It's okay. I say, but I'm so proud of you. <laughs> no, that that well, there's something to be said about uh, pride and putting it out there. So good for you, and Erica. If you had the opportunity of performing with any 
historical actor, someone that you've known or you've watched their films or anything, who would that person be that you would love to play opposite? Oh, I, it was her birthday last week or so. Oh, Bette Midler. I grew up watching her and Beaches is my all time favorite movie. And if she could just sing that song, Beaches, I would love to work opposite of her. Um, I don't even know if she's still out there, but hey. No, she's her. out there. She's still working. She's Bette still Midler. very much out there. I, I love, I love, love, love her. So, so Robert Streisand, Bette Midler, I hope you're both watching. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we are, we'll pick a number one through three for your mystery question, and then we'll bring on our next guest. Sure. Um, I pick a question or uh, number two, number two, number two. And your question is, if you could live in a sitcom, which uh, one would it be and why? I like that. Eileen, I, you lived in a sitcom. Mrs. Belvedere, me. <laughs> Mr. Belvedere, great, Mr. great show. Yeah. Love you on the show. Thank you. Um, the sitcom I would like to live uh, would be um, Three's Company. I would say Three's Company. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Come and knock on our door. <laughs> so, uh, but why that? Why that sitcom? It was funny, and I don't know if it was if, if they were they were so brilliant. Oh my gosh, the chemistry, the timing, the comedic timing, um, the beats, the moments, everything. There was never a dull moment. Sometimes you watch shows and it's like, eh, 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 and theirs is like always on. So if I could be in that, because I, you know, I have a lot of energy, as I've been told. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an extrovert and um, I've been told I'm always on. So I'm like, yeah, that pacing, that right there would be great. One of my favorite weeks of my career was spent guesting on Three's Company and it was so much fun. Um, it, it, my storyline was mostly with John Ritter and what an angel guy. He was just the best. And we, we just had a blast. We didn't stop laughing all week. And you're right. The energy and the pacing was fantastic. And the support, you know, when you come on as a guest, you never know exactly how it's going to go, but it was the kind of place where, oh, yay, Eileen is here. Okay, here we go. And I said, <laughs> oh, I'm on the show. Yay. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, so you get to bring on our next guest, Erica, one or two. Um, let's go with uh, number two. Okay. And that is my dear friend, Rita Harvey. Hello, Rita. Hello. Oh, so, so I'm glad that we got, here we are together again. We had the great pleasure of uh, appearing together on Saturday night, as I mentioned earlier. But you mm -hmm. also... Uh, you're part of Neil's show on the 28th as well, am I? Yes. Now, where is the show? Tell us about the show and what audiences can expect from your show. Okay, so we have a production company. Our main show, we, we book and perform shows all over the country. We tour our show. Our main show is called Neil Berg. That's my husband. Neil Berg's 100 Years of Broadway. We do it at performing arts centers all over the country. For many years, we did a New Year's Eve concert at uh, St. Joseph's Regional High School because we used to teach there and we kind of you know, got to know the community. And so that became kind of our New Year's Eve show. Mm -hmm. COVID happened, it didn't happen. Um, and now this year we wanted to try and do it again, but Neil got booked somewhere out in Colorado on New Year's Eve. So we decided we're doing a before New Year's Eve concert. And it's going to be on the 28th, on Wednesday the 28th. There are so many people who used to come to that concert were asking, are you doing it again? Are you doing it again? And Neil was already booked, but 
we decided we'll bring you that concert again. This time it's going to be before on the 28th, on Wednesday, the 28th at St. Joseph's Regional High School. Um, it's at 7.30. And um, it is our, well, we'll obviously. How long is the show? How long is it? Yes, uh, lengthwise. Uh, I'd say 90 minutes. So I can do your show and then I can head up to see Eileen. <laughs> Absolutely. That was always, exactly. That was always our thing, even on New Year's Eve. It was, you get a great show, but it's early enough in the evening that you can then go, go do your New Year's Eve or do whatever else you need to do that night. Um, and normally for our shows, we have five Broadway stars. This one, we have four. Um, and it's myself. Um, Carter Calvert. Who you oh may my know. God, I love her. You may know from um, Ain't, It Ain't Nothing But The Blues. Um, Rob Evan, oh. who uh, was in uh, all kinds of things. Les Mis, um, Jekyll and Hyde. And Richard Todd Adams, who's been in Gazilla, Beautiful Baritone, been in a lot of The Phantom and Phantom of the Opera. You know, I was a Christine in Phantom, Fiddler on the Roof. So a lot of, you know, Broadway tunes. But when we do... Uh, our New Year's and our holiday version, we do songs that are from Broadway shows, but our holiday songs. So we'll add in, definitely sprinkle in some holiday songs along with it. So yeah, that is our next show. I also want to mention, I know Richard saw me do my Linda Ronstadt show not too long ago. Um, I just did it again at the Turning Point in Piermont. I just found out yesterday that we booked a show um, at Plaza Theatricals on Long Island on January 15th. Wow. It's gonna be an afternoon show. They have three different venues, so I'll have to let you know. I believe it's gonna be at the Elmont Library Theater in um, Elmont on Long Island, January 15th. So I'll be doing my Linda Ronstadt tribute show. We'll be, that's just the first booking of the year. We'll, we'll be booking a lot more, but I just wanted to let you know because that just happened yesterday. Congratulations. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you the same questions that have been asked before. If you were to live in a sitcom, not that you're not, uh, but if you were to live in a sitcom, uh, uh, well, being in a, well, Eileen, you know, uh, you, both you and your husband are in the business. Um, Rita and Neil's son uh, has not gone in that direction, at least yet. Uh, but things could change. Uh, if you were to live in a sitcom, what would that sitcom be and why? So funny because while you were talking to the other guests, I was thinking, okay, what would I say if he asked me that? And I haven't watched it in a while. It's in syndication now, but um, do you remember the show Scrubs? Yes. Oh my God. I love that show. <laughs> I love all the characters. I love the relationships with all those characters. I love that it's, you know, they live in this silly fantasy world in this hospital and uh, my, my sister is a critical care nurse. And she said, all those hospital dramas, she said, those are what it's really like. She said, Scrubs, that's more what it's really like. Because <laughs> obviously on Scrubs, they had some very serious moments too, and they tackled some serious subjects, but it was just a bunch of goofballs trying to get through the day and living in their little fantasy world. And, you know, there were human beings, you know, they weren't just always, always, you know, serious all the time. and. So I don't know, I, just because those two guys, those two actors, and I can't remember their names, but I think they're adorable. They're in all these Christmas commercials right now. Um, and they, they had played, a musical, they played they had a musical episode. They, Zach Graff and, and oh, mm -hmm. the other guy. They, 
they are so funny on the show, but apparently they're best friends in real life too. And they're so great. I just, I have crushes on both of them. So I just, uh, yeah, that's the first one that came to mind. I have a ton that we, you know, of course, binge through COVID, you know, that we watch. But that one, I keep telling my son lately, we need to binge that because he never did see it. It was before his time. So that's one I think I'd love to kind of live in and get to know those characters. They seem like so much fun. That's great. Now, talking about the personal aspects of your life, uh, things that you keep hidden, and how do you keep those things out of the public eye for yourself? You know, once again, it's great that I got to listen to all of you beforehand so I could think about what I would say, and I would have said the exact same thing that both of you talked about being moms. Um, same thing that really, I don't know if hidden is the word. It's not like I would hide anything, but same thing, being a mom, um, you know, for a long time, Neil and I would post all kinds of things about our son because we were so proud, you know, same thing. We're just so mm -hmm. proud of all the things he was doing, you know, since he was a baby. But then he would come with us to concerts. We do so many concerts and performances and people would come up to him even as a little kid and say, oh my gosh, I know everything about you from Facebook. And he would feel very weird about that. Wow, wow. You know, and, and I don't blame him. That's so strange to all these strangers saying, I know all about your life. So we stopped posting about him. And now we'll post things like if he won a medal at the track meet this weekend, which he did, we're very, very proud. We ask his permission first. And we make sure that it's something that he's okay with. And sometimes he'll say, no, 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 no. I don't, I don't. And we don't, we respect his privacy because yeah, that is weird growing up in the public eye like that and you didn't do anything, you know, you don't mm -hmm. want the world to necessarily know everything, you know. So that's the only thing is we we really kind of ration out and we ask his permission first what we're going to post. A lot of things we don't anymore. And also, I guess politically, I don't, I try to stay away from all of that. Not that I don't have very strong opinions, but, you know, I just don't want to step into that fray and and you know, and, and maybe even offend some neighbors that I have that I know have different views than me. I just want, you know, it to be, and maybe it's a sanitized version of what I put on Facebook, but I just would rather get along with my neighbors and make sure there's no hard feelings. And if we're going to have a discussion, we can have it off of Facebook, you know, but, uh, and I'm fine with that, but yeah, I don't need to post my opinions about everything. I don't think it's appropriate. So. Okay. And the, and the, uh, other question is uh, a historical person in the arts, let's go there, that you would love to have had the opportunity to appear with on stage. To appear with, gosh. Well, you know I do this Linda Ronstadt tribute. Mm -hmm. It would be amazing. I don't know what I would do if I got to meet her. I would be, I would be so nervous. Um, but it's funny. I was going through people as you were talking to, um, talking to the other guests, and I'm not a giant consumer of country music but this person was just was just inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame and i was watching about and i've also been always intrigued by her i guess it would be dolly parton oh and not necessarily i mean i'm a, a fan of course how can you not be i'm not a huge country music person but how can you not be a fan of this woman i mean she, she transcends everything she an incredible performer she's an incredible human being and all the charity work she does and just she's so unapologetically who she is and in a loving happy way um 
and is just a kind, um, unapologetic person. Just, just she just exudes love and and kindness. And I did a few um, readings of her musical Nine to Five, and so I got to meet her. And she's just is that person that you would think in real life. She's bubbly and kind and and unassuming and and accessible and just. But boy, would I love to just pick her brain and and you know and hear her stories and. You know, well, I'll tell you my I saw her in concert once, but I did meet her when she did a, a CD of covers of songs from the 60s, which is mm -hmm. one of my favorite CDs of hers. And she was doing a book signing or a, a rec CD signing, and I went and I asked her to sign it to Richard and Danny. Danny's my husband. And she's well, where is he? And I says, He's working so that I can be here. And she said, Well, let's call him. <laughs> <laughs> Can I tell? I have a story about yeah, the same. But continue if you have. If there's more, no, go ahead. Um, when I I I auditioned for those nine to five, you know, um, um, readings, and uh, during my audition, there's a room full of people, and she's sitting there, and I sang a song of my husband's that he wrote called Fairy Tale, and halfway through the song, she stopped me, and I was like, Oh my God, what what did I do wrong? And she said, Where did you get that song? I love that song. I I. I've never heard it before. And I know the music directors at the time, he turned to her and said, well, her husband wrote it because he's a friend of mine. And she said, oh my God, can I have that song? I mean, I can't sing it like you, but I could sing it like me. Could you? Oh, could I have that song? <laughs> and I said, well, I mean, I guess. And she said, your husband wrote it. Can we call him right now? <laughs> so we stopped my audition, called my husband, you know, at, and he said, well, yeah, still on part sure. No, you can't have it. He literally no. went to the office with her assistant, copied the song, you know, and, and like faxed it to them, to her company. We, she never, as far as we know, we she hasn't used it yet, but um, she what was, she loved the song. I mean, the audition kind of, I never quite got the rim back, but that was, <laughs> it was really interesting. She was on Jimmy Fallon's last week and she actually wrote a song uh, or she said uh, that she's recorded a song that is going to be released 45 years after she passes away. Right. Wow. And yeah. uh, maybe it's that song. So oh my God. Well, I hope she lets right. us know. Well, I want to, I want to mention there's also somebody today uh, who I would have loved to have met personally. I didn't, but today is his birthday and that's Christopher Blummer. And I mentioned this because um one of my favorite, favorite, favorite writers on the planet um, is Ron Fassler. And Ron writes, I'm gonna bring this up first so that everyone can grab this. Um, he wrote an incredible blog on Christopher Plummer uh, that showed up this morning in my mailbox. And I said, Ron, would you like to come on the show today? And he said, yes, and he's right here. Ron, thank you for being here. Uh, first of all, another, it, what is it? Everyone is a bullseye with you. Well, you know, I started this blog to promote the book I wrote, which is my memoir called Up in the Cheap Seats, which is about my life as a, as a teenager going to the theater. So in the late 60s and 70s, I had a paper route. I earned $10 a week. And with that $10, I could take the train into Manhattan from Long Island. I could take a subway. I could buy my copy of Variety, have my lunch and see a Broadway show. That was for $10. Wow. 
So, you know, it doesn't exist anymore. And I've told stories about it for years and people said, that's a book. So I put the book together and to promote the book, I thought, well, let me start writing all the stories I couldn't fit in the book and just maybe just go through the calendar and see whose birthday it is today and just start writing. And I called the column Theater Yesterday and Today, and I have now been writing it for almost six years and I've written over 600 columns. And I've written so many that sometimes I'll get in my feed like, oh, it's Cary Grant's birthday. I think I'll write a piece on Cary Grant. And then I realize I've already written one about Cary Grant. <laughs> I mean, I can't even remember. Um, so I, always, I do have a master list so I can double check. Uh, and in fact, this piece on Plummer is a, is a rewrite of one I had done. But um, I know, uh, it, it's so easy for me to put into words how I feel about actors of the caliber of Christopher Plummer. I mean, he, he just exemplified a kind of actor that, that I don't want to say doesn't exist anymore because frankly, they are training them. Uh, it, not really in this country, uh, but uh, you know, he is a, a, a man who uh, was mastered every single thing that he took on. Um, and even if it was a, a musical like Sound of Music, which he dismissed for many years as, as beneath him, uh, you know, he did come to finally appreciate it. And, and I can tell you that story, which isn't in the blog today, but he was invited to some screening of it. And he, he kind of went reluctantly, but his wife pushed him. And when he got there, the theater was filled with children. And he just couldn't get over how much these kids who you know weren't even born at the time the movie was made were were so enthralled by it that it just melted away any feelings he ever had from that day forward uh, that he didn't uh, do something quite quite marvelous in in his portrayal of Captain Von Trapp. Um, but I, I feel like you know we we lost you know uh, in, in a very tragic way because a lot of people don't realize you know he died at age ninety one and he was still so virile and so magnetic and magnificent. You thought he'd really live forever. Um, he, he died from a fall. He, he fell and hit his head and two weeks later he died. He was actually signed to do King Lear as a movie directed by Des Makinoff. He was still wow. very much working. So we really lost, you know, a vital, vital uh, non-genarian. Um, and that's, that's a rarity right unto itself. With everyone that you've written about, um, have you had the pleasure of breaking bread or having dinner, speaking of, you know, these celebrities that we've all talked about, uh, an encounter with any of the people that you've written about? That's a good question. I mean, um, what sort of happens is if I meet somebody, uh, I might then approach them later and go, hey, could we do an interview? Because I'd like to write a piece on you. I did it with the great actor Lawrence Guitard. Um, wow. He was a Facebook friend and we talked and it was two columns because his career spanned so many decades. Uh, I did it with Bob Gunton, another great actor. Mm. Um, uh, but sometimes I'll surprise somebody like I've known Nathan Lane for 40 years and I realized it, it was the anniversary. It was the 40th anniversary of his Broadway debut. Even Nathan didn't know that. And I wrote this piece and I sent it to him. And he was just knocked out. He was like, Ron, my God. Because I really, really wrote about uh, how he burst onto the scene. It was a production of uh, No Coward's Present Laughter uh, that George C. Scott starred in and directed. And 
it brought up a lot of memories of him about George Scott and uh, uh, who was so good to him. And, uh, and you know, Nathan's just had one of those extraordinary careers uh, in the theater. And, uh, you know, they broke the mold when Nathan Lane came along, you know. Uh, and so I'm just so grateful. He's coming back to Broadway, you know. He's going to be, uh, uh, I think, starting in February. Brand new play. Uh, a new play. Yes. That's great. Um, out of everyone that you've written about, you know, I've, I've asked everyone else about that person. Let's say that you would uh, have the opportunity to sit down yeah. and have a nice drink or dinner with someone. Who would that celebrity be for you? Well, of course, I've had almost an hour to think about it, but I, I only need about three. <laughs> I only have about three seconds to think about it. Um, it's Robert Preston because uh, Robert Preston was my entire inspiration to go into show business because I saw The Music Man, uh, the movie version. I'm too young to have seen the uh, the, the play. It, the, the, the play was actually premiered the year I was born. It's it's a 65-year-old musical, and that's how old I am. And um, I saw that movie, and that was it. I, I wanted to be Robert Preston. Um, mm-hmm. It's really funny. You know, Frank Rich wrote a great uh, autobiography uh, about his life and what made him go and uh, become a writer. Um, and he talks about the influence of The Music Man. Only he identified with Winthrop. <laughs> you know, he identified with the shy child and I identified with the guy who wanted to be the center of attention. <laughs> um, but I, I actually had a dream once, a very vivid dream where Robert Preston and I went out to dinner. It was just the two of us having dinner. And I'm t- it's, it was so real when I woke up, I had to like really go, did that happen? It was so vivid. Uh, and I think I just always dreamed that he and I would connect somehow. Um, but we did in another way. And for that, you're just going to have to read my book because it's the first story. And it makes a great holiday stocking stuff. Oh, yeah. Why not? Oh, yeah. also, I do want to get in on two things that were mentioned. One is the Andy Williams Christmas special that Eileen brought up. Um, I loved the Andy Williams Christmas special so much when I was a kid that um, uh, throughout the year, if my brothers and sisters were mean to me, I used to say to them, if you're not nice, you're not going to be on my Christmas special. <laughs> <laughs> Which was especially funny because we were Jewish. But um, truly, I always believed that I would grow up to have an Andy Williams Christmas special. <laughs> no. Well, Ron, one year you'll have to be a guest on my Christmas show. That would and be great. We can, we can we can live our Andy Williams uh, special mm-hmm. fantasy together. I've got I've got the perfect sweater. I'm I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and that's, also, that's the other thing, those sweaters oh, were yeah. so incredible. But Eileen, you also mentioned Dick Williams, who I had the pleasure of working with too. And Dick Williams was Andy's brother, and he was a. Uh, like one of the most in-demand background singers there was. And this is the story I'm going to tell you. And I I just want to watch all of you laugh. We were standing at the urinal together and piped into the bathroom was Ray Charles's Georgia on my mind. And Dick went, Oh, I'm on that. (laughs) (laughs) That's me. (laughs) Oh my God. That's fantastic. That's great. Yeah. And uh, I want to ask you, if, I mean, if you could live in a sitcom, what would that sitcom be and why? Yeah, you know, it's funny. My first thought was the Jetsons. <laughs> uh, and then I thought about it more and I thought, no, Ronnie, you, Ronnie, you, you love the past. You, you're, you're mired in, in the past. And I thought I would want to be on the George Burns and Gracie Allen show because, uh-huh. first of all, you know, they played themselves and mm-hmm. 
and or versions of themselves as the public knew them. And, you know, George used to talk into a camera. He had a he had a television set that he was on. Right. And, and I, I mean, I just thought, oh, if I could have been George Burns at Gracie Allen's neighbor and just, you know, come in and out of that show. Plus, that would have meant I was a grown up in the 50s, which would have <laughs> really fulfilled me because that was the era of the greatest Broadway musicals. And, you know, to have gone to the theater, you know, when the top ticket price was, you know, six or seven dollars and see guys and dolls or, you know, gypsy. I mean, I just. I, I guess I was born too late for that, you know. I'm, I'm grateful I got to see, you know, the shows I saw as a kid, uh, because as I mentioned in my book, you know, what if you're a kid today and you've got that passion and you want to see every show that comes to Broadway in a season? You've got to be uh, 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 have very rich parents. You, you and, and also, and also, they don't give little boys paper routes either. How do you earn the money? No, I mean, I just no. had a, a perfect situation uh, and grateful that my parents uh, allowed me to do it. Although, frankly. They really couldn't have stopped me. Wow. <laughs> Thank God they didn't. No, they, didn't. they were very supportive. Yeah. So, Rita, I'm going to go back to you for a second because you get to pull a question, one or two, and then Ron will get the other question. Okay, uh, about two. And your question is, um, what do you need to know to make the decision that you've been putting off? Ooh. Oh, God. What have I been putting off? Oh, Wow. This is very general. Um, <laughs> whew. I mean, wow, been putting up. Wow. Um, <laughs> see, then that starts to get personal, what I've been putting up. Um, I don't know, business decisions. Um, okay, this would be a little self promotion. I have a our, our CD we did last year with Peter, or the year yes. before, Simple Prayers, we, we recorded another one, and we have a label interested. and um, But we have to find out a whole lot more about if we're going to go with them. It's a, it's a lot to weigh. If we're going to go with them, what are they going to actually do for us? Do we need to tour? Do we need to... Uh, uh, you know, what are they going to actually... It, it's, it's, there's a lot... To, or should we just self-promote and self-publish this uh, this new CD on our own? That's kind of a a business thing that we're still trying to make a decision about. We're not sure what we're going to do with it, but kind of exciting that they're interested. But um, a lot of moving parts involved. So how's that? <laughs> That's good. And Ron, the last question that was left here: uh, If you could only drink one type of alcohol for the rest of your life, what would you choose? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you something very funny about this. I'm going to tell you something funny about this bar. I lived in LA. I grew up in New York, but I, I moved to LA to do one pilot season as an actor. And I stayed 30 years and I raised a family. And in that time, my ex-wife and I never drank. I mean, we drank when we went out, when we went out with people. But because we didn't have nine to five jobs, there was no cocktail hour. There was no, you know, I need a drink to unwind from my day. You know, freelance actors and writers, you know, we just, we were always home. And uh, <laughs> and we just never drank like that. I moved to New York for my divorce. I'm a single man and I'm furnishing my apartment. And I went, you know, a bar cart would go right there. And then I thought, well, you gotta put booze in it, right? <laughs> I started drinking. I drank more in my first year than I did in the 30 years I lived in Los Angeles combined. It also had to do with the fact that I was living in New York where you can go out after a show and drink and you don't have to worry about driving home. 
right? Mm -hmm. It's a big drinking culture in mm -hmm. New York. Uh, that's a, maybe that's a big secret, and I'm letting people in on it. But <laughs> well, that's what this but, show is all about. But I, you know, as a Jew, I'm not much of a drinker. I mean, I can walk past this bar for 30 days and and not have a drink. Um, but uh, my my cocktail at the moment really is an old fashioned that I keep trying to find new ways and new recipes to you know crush those cherries and put that orange wedge in there and what kind of syrup and it's a fun mixology you know to to get into and I and I do like the brown stuff. I do like Manhattans and all of that. It's uh, it, it's nice, especially this time of year. It's getting a little cold. Warms the tummy. It's all good. It's good. It's good. So as we begin to wind down, I've, I've got some questions that I'm going to ask each of you. And then um, each of us are going to get a chance to have our final word today. And I'll talk about that in a moment. But Ray, I'll start with you. Uh, what are you working on currently that you are excited about for the next year? Um, so obviously my, uh, Christmas show is this Friday and Saturday. So I'm all consumed by that. Um, praying that no one else gets sick. Uh, we are filming season four of my series that streams on Broadway on demand. We have a very exciting guest. It's a, we won several awards over the past three seasons and I'm writing a new show. I'm in negotiations right now with, um, a network that wants to look at bringing the series to network um, and um, working uh, negotiating with uh, cruise ships to go on cruise ships and bring a TED type talk to cruise ships about um, I don't hide anything on social network. If you follow me on social networks, it's my entire life. It's hardly curated. It just happens as it happens. I'm all about authenticity and being the honest and true self who you are to find happiness. So um, I'm in a lot of talks. So I'm hoping the next year works out like I hope. And, you know, when you're in the business, as long as we all have been, you just keep throwing mud at the wall and keep your fingers <laughs> crossed. <laughs> right. Fingers are crossed for you. Eileen, what do you desire your life to look like one year from now? I... I just want to be able to go out and not be nervous every time I leave my house. That's what I want my life to be look like. I mean, I, since my holiday show is December 28th and we have to travel from LA to New York, I've just decided to be a hermit until then. And I'm kind of tired of having to take extreme precautions in order to stay healthy because it's not only COVID, it's the flu and it's RSV. And I know lots of people who have all of them. Yes. Yes. So one year from now, I hope I can just go out and not have to think about protecting myself, protecting my family. I just want it. I want, I want it like the old days. That's, you know, work is work. It comes, it goes, it's there. It's not, you know, big deal. But um, as a senior citizen, uh, your the days are very, very precious. And I don't want to do anything that's going to shorten that or make it less enjoyable or so i just i just want to feel normal again yeah well that's my wish for everybody so thank you for bringing that up uh erica uh what does living richly in this profession mean to you 
living richly in this profession means to me, everybody likes you, everybody calls you, and everybody wants to work with you. (laughs) (laughs) Yay! That's it, Erica. I can't imagine that not happening in your career. Yay! Uh, Yeah, I know. I feel fortunate. I feel fortunate. I have um, some people that sent me a script yesterday, said we want to work with you in 2023. Two people, actually. One with a, a deal, um, one with a script. They just wrote one. Oh, I'm leaving for Georgia this this weekend to do a film. Um, so I'm just happy. I think gratitude um, attracts things to you. So I'm always living in a state of gratitude. And then, oh, I wrote my own holiday story called Holiday Mistletoe. So hopefully... You guys enjoy that in 2023 and everybody gets some good, cheery, feeling, Christmassy, a feel good movie and see my movie, Holiday Mistletoe. I love that. That's great. Uh, Rita, um, what are you doing um, about, uh, I mean, the next show that's coming up for you, um, what is your preparation for this? Or, I mean, I know that this is a holiday show that, uh, are there any new songs that you're doing in the show or... Is there a lot of preparation that's going into the work that you need to do leading up to that show? To the one on the 28th? Yes. Okay, this sounds terrible, but we've been doing this for so long <laughs> that there's not a ton of, we will, you know, make sure we stay healthy and not, not had any, you know, COVID or any kind of, got my booster two weeks ago, <coughs> shots, all yeah, of us, so we're all good. Um, but we do so many of these concerts. Um, there might be one or two new songs to us and to the, and we try to change it up so the audience, there's some new songs for the audience, but our audiences want to hear some of the same songs. They, they're waiting to hear the stuff from Phantom and the stuff from mm-hmm. Les Mis. So, um, you know, if there's something new, we will, you know, rehearse a little bit here at the house um, we'll do an involved sound check that afternoon. Um, sorry, um, but uh, you know, mostly it's going to be just about making sure we all stay healthy and do what we do. We are so used to doing these these concerts that um, you know. It's such like a shame saw, that we now have that layer on all of us that are in this business. We've that... been doing this so long. We know what we're doing. You know what you're doing, but I'm talking about the fact that this this health scare Uh, is constantly hanging over our shoulders with every decision we make now. It is. is. So it's a shame. And Ron, um, what are your long-term goals for the next year? Well, I've been working on a novel. And uh, it's the hardest thing I've ever tried. Um, and the problem is I keep rewriting page one. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, every single time it's like a ritual. No matter if I'm on page 60 or 63, I, I, I will go to page one and I always find something to change. Um, but I, I am going to got to push the pedal to the metal because uh, I, I, I think it's a really fun story and um, it, it's highly autobiographical, uh, but it's fun to create a fictional version of yourself. Um, I know Bob Fosse did a great job of it when he did all that jazz. Uh, <laughs> and that's sort of what I'm doing in a sense. Um, but it's about a particular journey of a guy a lot like me, um, who uh, at 60 years old, you know, uh, changes everything, uh, changes my job from actor to writer, 
changes my uh, location from Los Angeles to New York, changes my uh, marital status, and eventually uh, discovers uh, that uh, uh, there's a man worthy of my love. And uh, I got married in October. So that's uh, my big news for you guys. Uh, well, congratulations. Thank you. And it, it's actually not the sort of thing that I share on Facebook either. I mean, I'd rather talk about Christopher Plummer. Um, <laughs> but uh, all my friends know, and of course, it's not a secret, and uh, everybody knows my, my, new, my new status. Uh, but I don't shout it from the rooftops, uh, but I also don't you know, uh, uh, keep it quiet either. Um, I think I found a very healthy balance in all that, but it's a pretty great story. And, uh, and I, and as again, I do enjoy fictionalizing myself. Um, uh, it, it's fun to just use the basis and then just take off and use my imagination. So. Well, when it's ready, come back on the show. And, uh, well, that for me, you know, the hard thing for me is the complete opposite of that. It's trying to make everyone believe that, what seems like fiction is reality in my life. <laughs> so, you know, because uh, I am, I consider myself very fortunate uh, to have the friends that I have, to be in the profession that I'm in. Uh, I, you know, I count my bla uh, blessings daily. I want to say my final re uh, uh, remarks. And then, as I said, each of you are going to have your opportunity to do the same thing. It can be about anything that we talked about today that you want to build upon anything that we didn't talk about that you wish we had, or just any final message you want to leave everyone with, I will pick the next person to speak after I sign off. Uh, and then you will pick the person after that and so on until one person's left standing. The last person, don't worry about how, how do I get out of here? Uh, when, you say, <laughs> when you say goodbye, the final credits for roll. Um, I have this incredible deck of cards called Core Values. It's something I recommend for everyone. And every morning I pull a word for the day. And the word I pulled for today is pride. And I was thinking about this leading up to today's show. You know, those of us who are part of the LGBTQ community, uh, pride is something that every year uh, in June, we have our Pride Month. But I think about this, um, People need to be proud of who they are, uh, in, no matter what community you belong to. And I think that the unfortunate thing that's happening, especially nowadays, anti-Semitism is on the rise uh, in this country on a level that I never thought that I would see in my lifetime. Uh, we are seeing uh, attacks on the LGBT community and every other organization or uh, community that feels marginalized is being pushed aside. And then a few, a very small few people are making the decisions that will affect these communities. So I think that we all need to find pride in ourselves. Um, I'm proud of the friends I have. I'm proud of those that show up. I'm proud of so many things. And I acknowledge that. I end every show by telling everyone to go out and do something nice for somebody else without expecting anything in return. Uh, Sit down in silence and really meditate and think about certain people in your lives that you have not spoken to in a while. Um, it's amazing. I mean, this morning I saw um, in the arts, within people that I know and everything, six people who are no longer with us that were here yesterday. Um, life is short, everyone. Take a moment to reach out to these people that matter to you and let them know how they matter in your life, not after they pass away, 
but while they're still here. Um, I have a dear friend, Sean Moniger, and he always says, we're all in this together, but we're not in the same boat. And I was, someone sent me a meme and it said, we're all in the same storm, but we're in different types of boats. Some are in yachts, some are in rowboats, some are in kayaks, some are in dinghies, some are on tugboats pushing everything upstream. It doesn't matter what size boat you're on. Just remember, if you're going to be on any boat, make sure you do it with a skipper by your side. And on that note, I'm going to leave the screen and I'm going to turn it over to you, Rita. It's yours. Um, well, yes, I agree. Be proud of who you are. Um, you know, pride is very important in, uh, in any community. I just want to say, um, I'm grateful to have met the other four of you here on this panel. Um, I didn't know any of you before, but I'm very proud to have met you. And I want you to congratulate you on all the work you're doing right now and to tell you to keep creating Sounds like you're all creating beautiful art. So keep keep it up, keep creating. I'm proud of every one of you. And I wanna say that to all our audience also. It's so important. We think as artists, what can we do to um, you know help change the world and help uh, all the craziness that's going on right now. And what we can do is keep creating this art and hopefully bring people together. And that's what all four of you are doing. And I hope what our audience is doing and let's be grateful for having that in our lives. And I hope you all have absolutely beautiful holiday seasons. Thank you. Do I pass yeah. it on to the next person? Yeah, you, pick, off. you, you okay. pick the next one. I will pass it off to Erica. All right. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so grateful to be a part of this panel with these awesome, talented individuals, you know. Um, pride means to me um, self-awareness and um, embodying um, a spirit of disgratitude and uh, a confidence and letting that confidence be contagious to others because, you know, you know, if you walk a certain way and you present yourself a certain way and you see someone else needs a hug or a bit of cheer, delivering them that. If you can't deliver it to them that cheer through um, a message that you say verbally or a hug physically, maybe we could do it through the entertainment, which we're all doing. So that cheering, I, a lot of people, a lot of people, um, around the world. And I'm so thankful. They reach out to me on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and they say how much joy I bring them through my creativity. So that is a blessing to me to share it to others, um, this gift. And that right there uh, just makes me grateful and thankful and just spreading the joy. You know, I, I'm a philanthropist. <laughs> I have my own 501c3, the Erica Hubbard Foundation, and not just doing it through creativity, but also through mentorship to our youth. That's so important because to feed into our next generation, to encourage them, to inspire them, to empower them, that means the world because they are coming up and they, they will have that message if we give them that message of hope and belief and inspiration that you can become and do anything that you put your mind to it. They will reach back and they'll do it to somebody else paying it forward. And so that's that, that right there brings me pride to see that I touch someone else's heart. Mm. Happy holidays, everyone. <laughs> Very sweet. 
Um, I'm going to pass it on to Ron. You're up next. Thank you. Uh, and Erica, uh, I think it's fantastic that uh, you've got a 501c3. Uh, uh, 501, yeah, 501c3. Um, uh, philanthropy is, is, is so important. Um, and Eileen, you and I share a mutual friend in uh, Joanna Gleason, whose father, Monty Hall, spent his entire life giving back. He, he, he made a lot of money, he created Let's Make a Deal, and he did nothing but give and give and give his whole life. Joanna used to say, he would come to them at the Christmas season and go, how much did you give this year? And she would say, well, we gave this much. He'd go, not enough. And that, that's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Um, give and also give hugs if you can't afford to give money and also give a hug to yourself. Take pride in yourself and enjoy the holidays. Eileen, it's all yours. Thanks, Ron. Thanks for bringing up Monty. Monty was one of my major mentors in my journey through the nonprofit world. And I met him, of course, through Joanna. Joanna and I did I Love My Wife together on Broadway. And that's how I got adopted into her family. Monty taught me so much about how to, how to give back, how to use the talent that we've been given to inspire people to give. And I will always be grateful to him for the lessons that he taught me over the years. And we did a lot of stuff together, Monty and I, and um, uh, I miss him very much. Uh, he was really a unique guy. And my um, and we worked together for the Variety Club, which was one of the largest children's charities in the world. And now my focus is on the Entertainment Community Fund, formerly known as the Actors Fund. And the, I'm so proud of what the Actors Fund accomplished during the pandemic, um, being in charge of distributing $26 million to entertainment professionals in need, uh, a lot of it in emergency, emergency financial grants. And uh, the work continues. It, it was very heartening to see how, when we were all sitting home watching TV 24 hours a day, people realized that they couldn't have gotten by without us, without the crew, without the staff, without the writers, without the drivers. What would we have done without our industry and the generosity of the general public was very illuminating to see that they, they got it, they got it and they're continuing to donate. So I'm very grateful uh, for that. And I'm very proud of the fund for continuing uh, its great work. I'm, like I said before, I'm proud of my daughter. I'm proud of my husband. I'm proud of the, the creativity that they show. I'm, I'm so happy that we're gonna get to be together on, during the holiday and, and do our, our holiday show at 54 Below. It makes me, you know, yeah, it's great. We all, we wanna do shows. All right, oh, come on kid, let's put on a show. But to be able to share it with your family, I think is really super special. And um, I'm, I, and I do, I wanna thank Richard for having this forum and for always having interesting people on who, who share their hearts willingly. Um, so thank you, Richard. I'm, I'm proud of what you do. I'm proud of my students. Before I forget my wonderful students that I teach on a weekly basis, they're putting their hearts and their voices out as well. And we're all just trying to make everybody feel a little less alone. So again, have a wonderful holiday season and uh, hope to see you soon. It's all yours, Ray. Once again, you started, you are the bookend to this wonderful day. Because <laughs> I didn't speak enough already. Thank you, Richard, for having me on once again. You're a great supporter. 
Friday and Saturday, Doris Deer's, uh, the Doris Deer Christmas special at the Triad, uh, my entire life, my pretty much my entire adult life has been based on being proud and pride and to be authentically who I am at every moment. Um, I surround myself with amazing people, especially my partner, my husband, who supports me at every stage I am in. And there's a lot of voices up in this head. Um, but I hope I work hard with my union at SAG-AFTRA to protect us as actors and artists in a world that tends to want to not protect us. I'm very proud of the work I've done. I'm very proud of my union. And also, uh, I hope to protect young people coming up in the business so they don't have to put up with a lot of the stuff that we had to put up. Um, I'm all about empowering each other as human beings and as artists. So go into the holidays proud, be you, be authentic, be happy, and be full of joy. Happy holidays to all.